Today's scripture comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 7 to 16. And if you're following along in your pew Bible, it's going to be on page 977. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Thanks, Sarah. Good morning, church. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, I'm going to pray for us here in a minute, and then we're going to get into our text this morning. Just one real quick announcement before we do that. Uh, Amanda had mentioned that we, we've got a feast tonight, uh, and we've got like something like 130, 135 people coming tonight. It's going to be a blast. If you haven't signed up for that, you can still sign up for it. Come on out. We'd love to have you. Chris is heading this thing up, uh, and she needs uh, some help setting up tables and chairs after the, after the gathering, so afterward, if you could stick around maybe four, five, or 20, or 50 of us, if we could head downstairs and uh, give Chris a hand, uh, that, would be, that would be great. Let's pray, and then uh, we're going to get into our text this morning. Father, we're so grateful for this opportunity to gather as your church, to sing praises to you. We're so grateful this, for this opportunity to, to now turn our, our gaze toward your word and to sit under it and to, to, to marvel at your son, Jesus. And Father, if, if you don't meet with us, then all of this is in vain. So Spirit of God, would you meet with us? Would you use the word of God to show us the beauty of the son of God who is our hope and our treasure? Jesus, we pray that you would be big and that you would be glorified this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, show of hands. How many of us have had the experience of needing to be somewhere but having no clue how to get there? Every guy's hand is down right now. <laughs> having to be somewhere but um, having no clue how to, how to get there, it's, it's a really bad feeling, isn't it? You're trying to get somewhere, someone over, over there, wherever there is, is waiting for you. You've just got no clue how to get there. I'll never forget the first time that Kate and I uh, really needed to be somewhere. 
and I had absolutely no clue how to get there. I lost my man card that day. So the year's 2011. Kate and I are just, we're just a few months out from tying the knot. Um, uh, we've, we're just scrambling to tie together some loose ends before the wedding. We're, we're moving to Philly, we know that, but we, we, uh, we need a place to live, and we're, we're just not sure where we're, we're going to be living. But we, we think we found this apartment um, that, that will work for us, and so we're, we're driving to Philly to check out this apartment. This is our, our first trip to Philly together, by the way. And remember, it's, it's, it's 2011, okay? iPhones were a thing. Google Maps wasn't. Google Maps wasn't uh, in the App Store until 2012. Um, we didn't own iPhones anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. Um, so no map apps or pin drops, didn't own a Garmin or anything like that. So to get anywhere, we resorted to this archaic thing called printing directions on paper. We printed directions on paper. So there we were, heading to Philly with our, our stack of printed directions. Uh, Kate's firing off turn lefts and, and turn rights. I just can't keep up. I can't keep up. You know where the story's heading, right? You panic, you take a wrong turn, you take another wrong turn, you take 10 more wrong turns, and before, before you know it, you're, you're hopelessly lost, right? I was hopelessly lost in a city that I hadn't been in since, like, a ninth grade field trip or something like that. We know where we need to be. We know where we needed to be, but we had no idea how to get there. And I wonder if being part of a church has ever felt like this to you. Like you know, you have an idea of, of where you need to be as a whole, where we need to be as a whole. Like why we're supposed to be, why are we supposed to be doing all of this that we're doing? Why are we working so hard to pursue this unity that Paul has been talking about, where is that unity heading? But you're just not sure how to get there. Or maybe you're sitting here thinking, I'm a little fuzzy on that destination point too. I'm just not really sure where we're going, let alone how we're supposed to get there. Here's the good news. Paul is gonna give us a vision for both of these things this morning, he's going to hold out for us the destination of our unity, and then he's going to help us see how we get there, too. In all of this, Paul wants us to be deeply persuaded that we have everything we need to get to where we're going. We've got everything we need to get to where we're going. God has given us everything that we need. So let's ask that first and most basic question, where are we going? Where, where do we need to be? What, what is that destination point, that pin drop? Remember last week, uh, Paul reminds the Ephesians and us that, that we are one body, right? One body with one Lord, one faith, one hope, one God and Father of all. We're one. We're, we're united in the crucified and risen Christ. And just before that, verse 3, Paul, speaking of our oneness, says, to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Why? Why does Paul want us to, to work so hard at maintaining the unity of the Spirit? What's the point of fighting for and striving for unity? For Paul, we strive to maintain our oneness together so that we can attain something together. And what is that something? 
Well, Paul, right smack dab in the middle of our text this morning, Paul puts it beautifully like this. Verse 13. Look at verse 13 with me. We do all of this so that we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What's Paul saying here? I think he's saying one thing, but he's helping us see it from three different angles. He's saying we do all of this work to cultivate and to nurture and to keep our oneness bound up so that we, day by day, would grow up into and look more and more like Jesus together. Maintain your unity in Jesus so that you can attain maturity in Jesus. Maintain your unity so that you can attain maturity. We all need to attain maturity in Jesus. When we become Christians, we we become these spiritual babies. Paul says in verse 14 that like infants, we're, we're undiscerning and unstable. We need to grow up and become strong and discerning and stable in Jesus. So the destination of our unity is maturity in Jesus. It's growing up and looking more and more like him. But honestly, like when you think about this, Doesn't this idea of maturity in Christ, doesn't it feel sometimes more unattainable than attainable? I mean, like, you look at your own life, and you see all the ways that you struggle and you sin, and you think, man, do I I really look any different today than I did a year ago? Or maybe you're just wrestling with feelings of doubt, uh, confusion, and you're wondering, how will I ever look more like Jesus when right now I'm just struggling to believe. Our relationships, they're not perfect, right? Will we ever grow up into Jesus together? Do we really have what we need to get to where we're going? Paul wants us to be persuaded. Yes, yes we do. We have everything we need to get to where we're going and so that is Paul's encouragement to us, and it's going to be our big idea for this morning. We have everything we need to grow up into Jesus together. God has given us everything we need to grow up into Jesus together, and we're going to break this big idea down into two parts. It's sort of going to be our outline for this morning. First, we've got everything we need to grow up into Jesus. I say we have everything we need to do this because of what Paul says in verse 7, and then how he supports it in verses 8 through 10. Notice the language that Paul uses in verse 7. He says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Don't get tripped up by that, that word grace there. Paul's not talking about God's saving grace like he did back, you know, back in, in Ephesians 2, right? Verse 4, he says, But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ by what? By grace you have been saved. Or then he, he goes on in verse 8 and he says, he says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. That's not the kind of uh, grace that Paul is, is talking about here. We are saved by grace. But Paul wants us to see that after God saves us, He gives us more grace. I love this about God. I love this. 
God isn't stingy with his grace. God loves to lavish his grace on us. He wants us to have good things. Grace was given to each one of us, Paul says, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace here just just means gifts. Jesus has given each one of us, if we're his, gifts. Not not the physical kind, not the physical gifts, but uh, spiritual gifts. Paul doesn't want us to get hung up on figuring out what we should, you know, call this measure of grace that's been given to us. Paul, Paul gives us lists um, of the spiritual gifts uh, in more detail in places like Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. What Paul wants is for us to be blown away by this reality, that a measure of grace has been given to each of us for our good and the good of those around us. Like he wants us to be blown away by this, and the way that he does this is by spending the next few verses painting this beautiful picture of Jesus, the giver of all the gifts. That's how he does it. It's like Paul is saying to us, I want you to see just how incredibly valuable this grace is, but you, but you can't fully appreciate how incredibly valuable this grace is, how how awesome the gifts that God gives his people are until you see and marvel at just how amazing the gift giver is. So to help us see and marvel at the beauty of Jesus and the magnitude of his gift, Paul quotes for us from Psalm 68, and he tells us something about who Jesus is. Just a little bit of background on Psalm 68. This is a psalm of triumph. It's a song written by David to uh, celebrating God's victory in rescuing Israel from Egypt. In the psalm, David gives us this picture of God sort of sweeping all of his enemies before him and just crushing them. Total defeat. When you get to the, the high point of the psalm, the climax, David says this. He says, you, God, ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts from men. The whole psalm, including this this big climactic moment, is this glorious picture of God's triumphant reign over the enemies of God's people. And what's, what's really interesting here is that Paul takes this epic climactic verse in Psalm 68 and then he applies it to Jesus. He applies it to Christ in verses 8 through 10. We're not going to read those verses again together, but, but here's the vision that that, of Christ that Paul is painting for us. We have Jesus. Jesus gave up everything to wage war against sin and death, and he died a violent death to rescue us from ourselves and from all of our enemies. But Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus didn't stay dead. All the sin of all his people in all the world couldn't keep him in the grave. Jesus rose from the dead and ascended in victory far above the heavens, Paul tells us, far above the heavens. His victory is unmatched. In victory, this king, our king, conquered every one of our enemies in every corner of the universe. Jesus has conquered sin. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus has conquered every last one of our enemies. He reigns in victory. But, 
But he doesn't just hoard the prize of putting all of his enemies underneath his feet. Jesus shares the prize of his victory with his people. Jesus shares the prize of of his victory with his people. So Paul says this victorious Christ has given you grace. Just a piece of the prize of his victory. So when you get Jesus, you get a measure of his grace. An undeserved gift with, with a designated purpose to help everyone around you grow up into Jesus. Doesn't matter if you're young or old. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, really educated or not educated at all. Doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, or white, male, female, married, not married. None of that matters. When you get Jesus, you get the gift giver. And when you get the gift giver, you get his good gifts. And when we use these good gifts in the way that God intends for them to be used, we grow up more and more into Jesus. That is, that's an awesome picture, isn't it? That's an awesome picture of the church that Paul is painting for us. Now, I just want to say, I want to say this now because I think, I think some of us maybe struggle with wondering if, if we really matter to this body or if, if we really have anything to give to help the body grow up into Jesus. If this is you, let this settle into your bones. You are an irreplaceable part of this body. You are an irreplaceable part of this body. I don't think we could tell each other this uh, enough. I'm so thankful that God gave you to Trinity. I'm so thankful for that. Because without you, I'm not going to grow up into Jesus. Without you, everyone around you is not going to grow up into Jesus. You're irreplaceable. God doesn't make mistakes. Right? He, does, he didn't make a mistake when he, when he made you, and Jesus didn't mess up when he gave you his grace. You are no accident. And God didn't, didn't mismeasure when, he, when it came to giving you his gifts, his grace. You are who you are. And you have the gifts that you have on purpose. So never buy into the lie that says that you've got nothing to give. Nothing to contribute to to our collective growing up into Jesus together. You're not less than. You're just enough. You're irreplaceable. All right, so remember, Paul, he wants us to be persuaded that we have everything we need to grow up into Jesus together. We we each have this measure of grace that's been uh, given to us. We have this massive privilege to play a role in each other's growth in Jesus. But how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, Paul gives us a blueprint in verses 11 through 16. So verses 11 through 16, it's, it's just another one of Paul's really long intricate monster sentences. It's, in the Greek, it's just one long sentence. There's, there's so much going on here. 
There's a lot going on here. So I, I just want to highlight two things, two ways that Paul says that we grow up into Jesus together. Uh, one way we grow up into Jesus together is by using the grace that Jesus has given us to build up those around us. You see that there, verse 11. Paul says, And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Paul doesn't want, Paul doesn't want to miss us to miss what he's saying by, by sort of getting bogged down uh, by talking about you know, the difference between uh, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor, teachers. Paul, Paul's point is that he gives these people as gifts to the church to equip the church to build itself up. So pastors, Paul doesn't tell us here, do all the work of the ministry yourselves. Do all the work of the ministry yourselves. He says, equip the saints for the work of ministry. Trying to do all the work ourselves is not only an impossible task, and it not only goes against the grain of our own humility, like God never intended for us to be everything for everyone in all places. Only Jesus can be that. It goes against the grain of what Paul is describing here. Church, your job is to get equipped to use the grace that God has given you to build up the body. That's one of the reasons why we do this thing every Sunday, why we gather every Sunday. We're gathering to be equipped so that we can go and build up. Looking for ways to do uh, intentional spiritual good to those around you, looking for ways to build up, to up the body, this isn't normal. It's not normal. We need God's help for this. So one practical first step that we can take to building each other up in getting is, is, is getting on our knees and begging God to help us. That's one practical step that we can take. Maybe pray something like this. God, I, I want you to use me to strengthen someone else's faith today. Make it so that at the end of this day, somebody will be more confident, more confident in your promises more joyful in your grace because our paths crossed. Why not pray something like this first thing tomorrow morning or first thing Tuesday morning or first thing Wednesday morning and then just keep your eyes peeled for the ways that God will answer this prayer. One other thing that I just want to highlight for us Paul wants us to see also that we grow up into Jesus together by speaking the truth in love to those around us. Do you see that there in verse 15? Rather, Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. If we're going to grow up into Jesus, we're going to need to speak true things about Jesus to one another. Look, we, we all have blind spots, right? We all have blind spots. There's some things that, that we just can't see in ourselves. You and I need truth spoken into our lives. I need this 
truth spoken into my life so that I can stay close to Jesus and grow up into him. We need to have the, we need to have the courage to do this with one another. It doesn't mean that we have a license to say uh, true things to each other however we want to say it. Paul wants us to be truth tellers who speak the truth to one another, but who do it in love. We can't have truth without love, and we can't have love without truth. Tim Keller says it like this. He says, truth without love is imperious self-righteousness. Love without truth is cowardly self-indulgence. Or as John Newton once put it, he says, our natural temptation is to say what we should not say or to not say what we should say. One is cruel arrogance, the other cruel cowardice, and neither is love. Growing up in Jesus together means that we're going to need to learn the language of speaking the truth in love to each other. And look, we can, we can do this for a lifetime, right? We can do this for a lifetime and still not have it all figured out. But there is one human that could, and there's, there's only one human who did. There's only one man who walked this planet yet never spoke a harsh word ever. There's only one man who, who never uttered an insensitive word to another person. There's only one man whose words were never thoughtless, never careless. There's only one man who never let a proud or selfless word leave his lips. There's only one man who never said an untrue word. There's only one man who never uttered a malicious or manipulative or angry word ever. There's only one man who ever spoke tender, gentle, loving, kind words, words full of truth and full of love, and that man is Jesus. Look, if you're discouraged, if you're discouraged by how you have spent your words in this past, this past week or even, even this morning on your way to church, I'm right there with you. And can I just encourage you to fix your eyes on Jesus? Look to the one who only spoke with the perfect balance of truth and love. Sit at his feet and grow. See, the more that we, we sit at the feet of Jesus, the more you're going to grow up into the person of Jesus. Well, there's one last thing that I want us to see, and we're going to wrap with this. It comes at the end of verse 16. Paul says something that, that sort of feels like a throwaway comment, and it's, it's really, really easy for us to miss. He says that we grow up into Jesus. Look there in verse 16. He says, when each part of the body is working properly. When each part of the body is working properly. When I look out this morning... When I look out this morning, what I see is story after story after story of how each part of this body is working together and growing up into the person of Jesus, growing up into, into Christ together. I think where, where this is happening, where growth is happening, I think it should be celebrated. 
I think where growth is happening, it should be celebrated. I think one practical way that we can celebrate the growth that we see in each other's lives is by identifying evidence of grace, of God's grace at work in the lives around us. Celebrate, celebrate growth by identifying grace. Celebrate growth by identifying grace. And so let, let me ask a question. What would it look like for you to celebrate evidence of God's grace at work in the lives of people around you this week? What, what could that look like? Maybe you've noticed that person in your community group who is really absent and just disinterested in God a year ago, but is now present and hungry for the word. Look, that's not normal. That's evidence of God's grace at work in their life. Or you see pockets of people quietly moving toward those with need and and caring for them. That's not normal. That's evidence of God's grace at work in their lives. Or that person that you know who's just quick to see the good in others and encourage the people around them with gospel truth. That is not normal. That's evidence of God's grace at work in their life. Someone comes to you and confesses some sin that they've been struggling with and just, and just asks you, will you pray with me? Will you pray for me and help me fight this? That is not normal. That is evidence of God's grace at work in their life. Or that person you know who's just faithfully serves in Trinity Kids, and you know it's not a drag for them, but it is a joy for them to do this. That is not normal. It's not normal. That's evidence of God's grace at work in their lives. Or that family who just keeps inviting folks over into their home to share simple meals with others and just love people where they're at. That is not normal. That's evidence of God's grace at work in their lives. That friend of yours who, who seems so self-absorbed five years ago. I don't have anyone in mind, by the way. Okay? I, I promise. I'm probably the friend who's self-absorbed five years ago. All right? That friend of yours who, who just seems so self-absorbed five years ago but is now asking you things like, hey, how can I be praying for you? How are you really doing? That is not normal. That's evidence of God's grace at work in their life. Or your friend who's, who's just gone through something traumatic or devastating. And in the midst of all that pain and sorrow, you see that their faith in Jesus is steady. That is not normal. It is evidence of God's grace at work in their life. You've noticed a difference in your spouse lately. They're more gentle with their words, more patient with you and the kids, more interested in your needs over their needs. That is not normal. That's evidence of God's grace at work in their life. We could keep going and going. There are so many stories like this here at Trinity. So many. God is at work in in your life and in the lives of those around you. So why not ask God, maybe even today, to help you slow down enough to see these things in the lives of those around you, to see evidence of grace in the lives of those around you? Why not ask him to give you eyes to see where growth is already taking place and where those around you are already growing up into Jesus. Why not ask God 
to help you celebrate this good thing with those that you, that you see it in. Like ask him to give you the courage to step forward, move towards someone, and just say, look, I, I see evidence of God's grace at work in your life. Here's where I see you looking more and more like Jesus. And I'm, I'm just so thankful for this. It's helping me grow up into Jesus, too. See, Paul wants us to be deeply persuaded this morning. We've got everything we need to get to where we're going. God's given us everything we need to grow up into Jesus. I never finished telling you the story of Kate and I first visiting, uh, our first time visiting Philly, eventually, We did make it to our final destination. We were super late, really late. But we made it with a little help from one of Philly's finest. Um, That's a story for another time. You can come get me after. I'd be happy to tell you that story. Uh, The point is, is that we made it. We made it. And Trinity, we can make it to our final destination too. Because God has given us, he has given us everything we need to grow up into Jesus. Let's pray. God, we're blown away by this grace that you've given us in Christ. You didn't just stop by pouring out your grace on us and saving us, but you give us more grace and you call us to use that grace to build up this body. You call us to to use this measure of grace that you've given each one of us to help those around us grow up into Jesus. Father, would you give us the grace to just link arms with one another and keep our gaze focused on Christ and grow up more and more into him. We need your help, Spirit of God, to do this. So would you give us your help? Father, would you give us, would you slow us down, and would you give us space, and just the eagerness to look around, left to right, look around at the work that you are doing amongst us, We are growing up into Jesus together. Help us to celebrate this work that you're you're doing in and among us. We ask that you would do this through your powerful spirit for our good and for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.